Throughout this year, Pastor Ron and I are going to be sharing messages on prayer. I shared a message last Wednesday on six hindrances to prayer, and if you were not here, I would encourage you to go to our website and listen. As a church, we need to grow in the depth of knowledge of prayer. And so this morning, I want to speak with you about the arsenal of prayer, the diversity of prayers that we have within an arsenal that God has given us to operate. Let us first begin with prayer, shall we? Amen. Jesus, help us. Amen. Prayers don't have to be that fancy. What a prayer is, in a simplistic manner, is a willful speaking into the spirit realm. As simple as I can put it, willfully speaking to the spirit realm. We are directing our prayers, our speaking to God the Father through Jesus Christ, his Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're speaking to God. We're willfully doing that. It's intentional. It is with a purpose, and it must be spoken. And so this morning what I want to do is speak to you about this diversity of prayer. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. So it is not of human origin of machinery as far as a weapon. It's, it's nothing we do in our body to accomplish something. Those are done unto the Lord for good works and acts of service. But there are weapons that are fought for the spiritual warfare and what would those weapons be if they're not physical in nature? They're obviously spiritual. And those spiritual weapons are exercised through our prayer life, through speaking. If we're reading the Word of God, we must speak the Word of God. Then it becomes a weapon in the spirit realm. And so what I want to point out is that prayer is willfully speaking out into the spirit realm. And it says that we have weapons. That's plural. So there are plur a plurality of weapons. And some people, well, some of those weapons are, again, the Word of God. Well, the Word of God is of no effect unless someone speaks it. Right? Okay, here's a Bible sitting here. It's not doing anything in the spirit realm. But when I start quoting that Bible and declaring Scripture, now it is a weapon in the hands of those who have it. So it is speaking. It's faith. Well, faith is nothing unless it is acted on and it's spoken out in faith. Mountain move. You see what I'm saying? So our weapons that translate from the earth realm to the spirit realm is the voice. It's the declaration, sound vibrations. You speaking transforms from a physical realm to a spirit realm and it has power to defeat the enemy. So prayer is a weapon, and we have weapons, plural. Let me convince you of this. Ephesians 6, 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, read it with me, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert always. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So what kind of prayers is it saying? All kinds of prayers. The Amplified says all manner of prayers. So weapons, prayers, are multiple, plural, 
we see that there are all kinds, a diversity of prayers that God has given us. You're not convinced yet? Let me convince you. First of all, then, I urge you that supplications, that prayers, that intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. What do you think it means to be made? These things be made? Someone said it over here. To speak it out. It's got to be made. Not thought of, but made, declared. It needs to come into existence and it needs to be spoken to have impact in the spirit realm. And remember all kinds of prayers? Here he lists four of them. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. How are we going to get a peaceful and quiet life developed in our country and in this nation? Prayer. What kind of prayer? Supplication, prayer, intercession, and thanksgiving. But it must be what? Made. It must be made. We make this stuff, folks. We don't make it up, but we manifest it. We make it. We declare it. If the church stays silent, the devil wins. Is that simple enough? Okay. You're not convinced yet? Philippians 4.6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. Weapons, all kinds of prayer. Have I convinced you that there are many different forms of prayer? Let's go into these different forms so we can begin to understand how to use them because they are, in fact, tools. All right? You have different tools for different things. How many of you have tried to unscrew a screw with a dime? can't find that screwdriver and all you have is a Phillips head. Right? How many of you have tried to hammer something in with your tape measure? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. See, this tool does a different job than that tool. Does a different job than that tool. And so we have various and many forms of prayer to accomplish different things. Maybe it applies this way. How about cooking? Utensils. We have one goal in mind, to bake a cake. But we use different utensils. I don't know what kind of cake you're going to make with those chopping cleavers. Meat pie. Or you might use ladles, or you might use a pot. Again, various forms, different tools, and different functions to accomplish different things. That's why he says that you're to use these weapons and that there are many various forms of prayer that we're always supposed to be engaging in. And so we need to be a people who are astute at praying. How about weaponry? There's different weapons to accomplish different things. There's grenades. Now that comes in handy, doesn't it? You don't want to be in close proximity of that grenade, though. But if your enemy is in close proximity to you, you might use that, a handgun. Or you might use this, a grenade launcher. I don't know. Different weapons for different purposes. One goal, but different functions. Does that make sense to you? And so let's take a look at these different types of prayer that we're talking about. We start with supplication. 
That's an interesting word, isn't it? Supplication. What does it mean? Supplication, more than anything, is an attitude. Supplication, think of it this way. um, Supply. Supply. Supply my needs, O God. The first form of prayer is something we all pray pretty regular. It's making your requests and your petitions known. Now, the scriptures are full of this. It's referenced 50 times, the word supplication, in scripture. And really, it's asking, it's requesting of God. We say it in the Lord's Prayer. Give me this day. What? My daily bread. And so what we're saying is we're dependent on you, God. The lesser requests of the greater. We're not telling God what to do. We're saying, oh, God, help me. God, I need you. And prayers of supplication can be deeply moving and and mournful and, God, I need you, and requesting and pouring out your heart. Or they can be as simple as, help! I've prayed that prayer a lot. So really and simply, supplication. Go to God with all your needs. If we would go to him first before we've tried everything else, we might get through this thing quicker. And so we ask God, God, help me with this. God, help me with that. The prayer of supplication has got to be something on your mouth all day long. God, help me. And what that breeds in us is a sense of waiting on his provision, is is calling unto God as your provider, Jehovah Jireh. Amen? Is that simple enough? How many of you have prayed prayers of supplication? Anybody here? Okay, we all have. I want to stop right now, and I want you to pray a prayer of supplication for something you need from God. Right now, just say say it. God, I need this. Go ahead and say it. Don't say it in your brain. Say it out loud. God, help me. God, I need this. Everybody, come on, everybody. I want you to pray. All right? Don't just think it. Don't just think it. Don't just think it. You think about, you know what kills, here's the thing. Can God hear my thoughts? Yes, he can. All right? So so, uh, your thoughts don't produce anything into this physical realm, do they? And so if you're speaking out, you're speaking out so that God can make provision, you're making a difference in the world. Think about your thought life for a minute. Think about it. It, it, You're thinking a prayer, and then in the next instant, you're thinking of lasagna. And you're thinking about the perfume of the lady in front of you. And then you're thinking about the colors of the pews. And then you're thinking about, how many fingers does that guy have in that picture? Oh, yeah, God help me. I mean, you know, you know just praying in thought, just, it doesn't generate purpose. Of course God can hear our thoughts. But I, I really want you to understand, a biblical perspective of prayer is to speak. So, again, we're going to do this one more time. Ask God for something that you need. Everybody... Come on. God, I need you to fix my hip. Is that good? Everybody said something? Did you say something? Everybody sitting next to that person, did they really say something? They did. Okay. All right. Good. We cannot be shy about prayer, people. We're the ones who own it. We're the ones who are praying to a living God. The whole world's praying to idols, to pieces of wood, to myths and fables and imaginations. 
We're praying to the living God. We can't be shy about it. We need to incorporate it. So our first weapon is to go to him in all our need. Prayers of supplication. God supply. God supply. God supply me. We've become, this is what happens to a people that are self-sufficient and self-reliant. They don't pray prayers of supplication. I got this. I got this. No, you don't. You think you do. And that's your downfall. So, first prayer, supplication. Second prayer, thanksgiving. Prayers of thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Many of us, what is the will of God for my life? Can I give you the answer to that? Give thanks. That is the will of God for you. All right, so everybody, would you give thanks to God? Thank you, God. Say it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, you're praying. This is praying, folks. This is praying. What does this generate within us? A grateful heart. A heart of gratitude. Something happens when we begin to give thanks to God. It changes. It takes out of the, the sourness out of life. It begins to shift from my focus to his focus. And How many of you know we've got enough mirrors in our house and in our car and everywhere else to look at ourselves? <laughs> We're constantly looking at ourselves. We're judging the world based on ourselves. All of our thoughts and emotions. It's cold outside today, so I'm not happy. <laughs> I mean, we rule, we run our lives on how we feel about us. And Thanksgiving says, you know what? Would you change the focus and begin to glorify your God? And when you begin to do that and give thanks, all of a sudden something's changing internally as well. And our God, first of all, deserves all the praise and honor and glory. Amen? That's what we were created for. Now, prayers of thanksgiving immediately send you on the road and the path of praise and worship. Praise and worship. So could I encourage you that when you're driving to a, a, an assembly of Christians gathering together, we're two, three, whatever, church service, whatever, when you're going there, begin to pray prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of thanksgiving. God, thank you today. Kids, be quiet. Stop touching her. Prayers of thanksgiving. Thank you for these children. Oh, God, help me. Prayers of thanksgiving. We're going to be late. Would you get in the car? Prayers. Thank you, God. You're good. So when you get in here, thanksgiving turns into what? Praise. And it moves into worship and adoration. And this is for our benefit. So these are weapons. How many of you know that Satan hates thanksgiving? He hates prayers of Thanks. Do you know why? He used to lead worship in heaven. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28 speaks about he was the covering cherub. And he used to direct all praise and worship through the, through the, the stones that were all through him and the timbrels and the music that came out of him. And it seems as if he was the one who brought and delivered worship. He was the worship master unto the glory of God. And he rebelled against that because he hated God because he wanted to take his place. So when you give praise and thanksgiving to God, it's like smacking him down one more time. It's a weapon. It's that meat cleaver we saw with the utensils. 
you'd be surprised how powerful a prayer of thanksgiving is. When you're confused, when you're depressed, when you're overwhelmed and you opened up, I thought my insurance covered this bill. Hallelujah, God, you're my provider. First make a prayer of supplication right there. Jesus, help me. And then begin to thank him. Oh, God, you're a God that can provide. Am I talking real life now? All right. Amen. Third weapon, intercession. Intercession. This is kind of prayers that's not about you. You see, we started with you with prayers of supplication. God says, make your needs known to me. I know what you're going to pray before your prayer, but let's have communication. Make it known to me and then give me thanks. But also, would you begin to care for somebody else? How many of you love someone else? Okay, that's good. Hopefully they're loving you back. That doesn't always work. But how many of you pray for other people? Okay. So what we're doing is we're willfully, we're, we're speaking God's will to someone else. Can I encourage you that you can turn intercession into prophetic utterance. When you begin to pray for someone else, usually, how many of you are praying for someone and you get a thought about that person? You're praying, oh God, would you help them? They're so sick. And you think, man, if they're so sick, they're probably so depressed. Turn that into a prophetic declaration. Father God, they're so sick. Oh yeah, they're probably so depressed. But Father, you are a light in darkness. Lord, you're going to bring joy for sorrow. You see, what God gave you was a sense of what they're feeling. In intercession, you can begin to pronounce the answers of God to them. If you come up with what God is, he is that. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, if you came up with the thought that God is their solution, then say it. God, you're their solution. God, you're their provision. God, you're going to bring provision. I'll say Nancy. God, you're going to bring provision to Nancy. She's depressed, Lord. You're her light. Bring light to the countenance of her, and you'll bring a smile to her face. The Lord says there's a smile coming to your face. Oh, I can't say that for God. It's coming out of you. It's bubbling in you. You can begin to declare it. Does this make sense to you? God, Paul said, I would that you all would prophesy. Prophecy is to edify, exhort, and comfort. And if you're in prayer to the living God, speaking out of the spirit of truth, and thoughts are coming to you concerning that person, turn them into declarations of intercession. Does that make sense to you? All right. So intercession is making the needs known of them to God, but it's also being in that loop to from God to them begin to speak over their lives. How many of you can think of someone that has a need right now? All right. I want you to say that need out loud. Say it. What is their need? All right. Now, let's practice. That's their need. What is God's answer to that need? Is, is there an answer to that need do you can, that you can think of that he could supply? Now, turn that request into a declaration. Say this, that the Lord, whoever it was for, the Lord is going to be this for you. Say it out loud. What is it? Whatever that answer was, right? Do you get that? All right, this is, this is prophetic. You just declared a declaration. You have to begin believing that the Holy Spirit's in you and he's willing and acting in you. And the thoughts you have aren't just all yours. They're his in you. Can I encourage you to get activated and engaged in prayer like this? Does that make sense to you? 
Okay, so we've made our supplications known. We've given him thanks. Now we're interceding for people, not only bringing their need to God, but now we're bringing God's answer to them and we're speaking it unto them. Does that sound good to you? I'm excited about that. How many of you know what this nation needs? They need something, don't they? All right, so begin to declare it. When you're interceding for this nation, when you're interceding for this city, when you're interceding, not only say what the problem is, but begin to speak the answer over it. Does that sound good to you? All right, let's go on. The prayer of intercession, the prayer now, consecration and dedication. What is that? Let me give you a very quick example of a prayer of consecration and a prayer of dedication. Father, if there be any other way to remove this cup, but not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus prayed that prayer. He, he didn't always pray, thy will, not my will, but thy will be done. Many times he knew the will of the Father and declared it. Rise, pick up your mat and walk. He didn't come to the guy and go, well, Father, if it's your will, heal him. Jesus knew. Jesus declared. As far as healing goes, there is a declaration that he could make. He's declaring. He's speaking and so forth. But when he prayed, not my will, thy will, it wasn't uh, a wishy-washy, I don't know. Is there any other way? Can you get me out of this? He was actually praying a prayer of consecration. He was making a declaration. I'm yours. It is at this point when Jesus made this declaration, he went from an active obedience to a submissive obedience. You see, for three years, he acted upon what he saw the Father doing. He brought healing. He did this. He walked on water. He calmed the storms. He spoke. He spoke. He spoke. At this transitional point, he consecrated and dedicated himself to what you want done. Do it to me. Does that make sense to you? There are times, brothers and sisters, we must consecrate ourselves to God. In other words, we lay our lives down. Father, use me. God, speak through me. I consecrate myself to you. I surrender all. That's how you got into this kingdom. You surrendered your life to him. And this is another form of prayer. Again, the devil hates every form of of these prayers because they are weapons. The person who says, Father, I'm yours. I accept Jesus as my Savior. It destroys the kingdom of darkness in their life as they come into a kingdom of light. It's called salvation. You say, you come to a service and you say, you know what, I need to, I need to go to that person and ask forgiveness. Father, give me strength. Oh God, not my will, your will, Lord. I know you want me to repent I will do that. That's a prayer of consecration. That's a prayer of dedication. How many of you know we need that every day in our lives? To consecrate me. Father, use me at work any way you want to. Did you ever pray that prayer? This is dangerous. It's good. It is good. Consecration, dedication. And that's an essential prayer that we need to have. Amen. Let's go to the next one. A prayer of authority. 
Another weapon is the prayer of authority. Turn with me, if you will, please, to Matthew chapter 18 as we discuss the prayer of authority. Matthew 18. We've talked about making our requests, our supplications. We've talked about giving thanks. We've talked about intercession. And we've talked about consecration and dedication to God. Now we talk about prayers of authority. Matthew 18. Now, let me read it to you in context. All right, because this is the argument that we'll come up against. Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And uh, you could tell them, see, I told you, I tried to repent. I tried to tell him what's wrong. He doesn't think there's anything wrong. In fact, he says this. Yeah, we see it. We, we tried to talk. No, it's not. All right, if he refuses to listen, then tell it to the church, the assembly. And if he refuses to listen even to the assembly, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. This is when it goes into the place of church discipline. You talk to the elders of the church, you bring it to the leadership, they're trying to intercede with this person, trying to work this out, trying to mediate some peace. They still refuse, and they say, brother, we're going to have to implement church discipline. You're not going to listen. We can't have you participate and enjoy the benefits of fellowship because you're breaking the bonds of fellowship. So we have to say that you're suspended right now. Okay? Hopefully you win them before you ever have to go to that place, but sometimes you go to that place. And typically nowadays, if it goes to that place, they say, fine, I'm just going to another church, and then they go down the street. <laughs> so. All right, so all of that, what's that got to do with the prayer of authority? Let's go on. He then goes on and says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Now, there are two camps on understanding this portion of Scripture. Uh, there's the camp that says the idea of binding and loosing, the prayer of authority to bind and loose the will of the Father in the earth, that has only to do with the issue of a brother or sister that needs to be put out of a fellowship. Binding and loosing means you either bind them to the fellowship or you dismiss them, loose them from the fellowship. So in context, this verse really only has to do with church governing authority. Binding and loosing people in and out. And that's a solution for many because they feel that's in context. There's another camp that says, no, binding and loosing goes further than that. It's not just for church government and authority in this context, but it goes beyond that. I'm of that camp. I believe it goes beyond just the issue of church government. Why do I say that? What I'm saying is this. God is speaking of church governance and church authority and speaking with the power and the authority of heaven. Because then he opens it up and he says this, I say to you, whatsoever you bind. He went from a specific issue of church discipline to saying this authority is given to the church. 
so that whatsoever you bind in loose shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I believe it is introduced through the topic of church government, but it is expanded in his expression to say the church is the government of God on earth. The church is the ecclesia of God, the called out ones. The church declares and wills and decrees the will of God in heaven to the earth so that whatsoever, whatsoever, am I getting this right? Whatsoever, not specifically church governing uh, people who are right and wrong, but whatsoever you bind on earth. And the correct rendering in the Greek is this has been bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth has been loosed in heaven. The authority comes from heaven unto earth. All right? Let me, let me back this up. And so what he's saying basically is this. I'm giving you authorization. That's the whole point. What you bind on earth is being authorized in heaven. What you loosed on earth is being authorized in heaven. That's why he said, where two or more of you gathered, I'm in your midst. My authority is there. My approval is there. If two of you are in agreement, two witnesses agreeing, this is what needs to be bound, this is what needs to be loosed, we're in agreement with heaven, you have the authorization of heaven. Does that make sense to you? All right, so the police leave their... Uh, what, do you, what, do you, uh, what do you call it where they all gather? Police station? What do you call that? What do you call them? Precinct. Yeah, that's a good one. That's what I'm looking for. So they're, they're morning. They're there. They all have their badges on. They have their guns. They're all good. Now they go out into the community, right? And so the police chief says, whatsoever you bind, I'm giving you authority to bind. Anybody you lose, you lose. Go do your job. So they go out and they see a robber, rob a bank. And they say, wait a minute, hold it right there. Police? Yeah, chief, uh, we just caught someone robbing the bank. Can I, um, can I arrest them? <laughs> of course, you got a badge. You got a gun. Do it. You've got the authorization of heaven. I told you this morning, whatever you bind, bind. Whatever you loose, loose. It's already been authorized. That's what Jesus is saying. So the prayer of authority, the prayers of binding and loosing, we've already been given the authorization. All power has been given unto me in heaven and earth and below, and below the earth. Now, therefore, what? Go. Bind the things that are against God and opposing to God or bind things that are his unto each other to build them or loose the enemy away from it, or loose what's wrong, or loose the power of God into a situation. Are you with me? It's the authority of binding and loosing. And he says, if two of you are in agreement, I'm with you. I'm backing. In other words, where the two of you find the witness of heaven on this situation, he said, I'm there. You're authorized. Somebody's got to tell the church, you're authorized. We leave this binding and loosing to, to uh, all sorts of, uh, I don't know, 
people that we think are odd and weird, but actually they're doing the things that we're supposed to all be doing. We're supposed to be exercising the authority. Look at you're the government of God. The government of God is in session right now. Right now. You're here. Do I have a witness this morning among you that God wants to heal those who are brokenhearted? Can we agree on that? Then can we loose the ministry of God's healing to the brokenhearted? There are people who are captive today, captive by addictions and captive and held in chains by the power of sin. Do you think we have authority to speak on behalf of the government of God to say, be loosed in Jesus' name? There are people who have demonic influences in their lives that are tearing them apart. Do you think we have the authority in heaven's witness to say, I bind you, Satan, and get away from that person in Jesus' name? Do we have that authority? This is the prayer of authority. This is the prayer of binding and loosing. That's what's being meant here. Yes, in context to the situation of a brother who's in sin, but beyond just that context, don't leave it in the box. Come on, take that thing out of the box and use it to its fullest extent. Some of you need to bind and loose those things that are over your children's lives. Take authority. Now we're interceding for others. Now, when we're interceding for others, look what happens when you begin to give praise and prayer, supplication and thanksgiving and intercession. Did you hear earlier how I read that verse and Paul links these together? So now that we're linking them together, uh, we got ourselves a pretty powerful uh, uh, prayer. Right? We're giving thanks, which is defeating the enemy because God's so good. We're praying intercession because we know what that person needs and we begin to prophesy what that person needs. And now we're going into authority and warfare and I say, devil, get your hands off of him. In Jesus' name, sickness be gone in Jesus' name. And I loose the power of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of angels around that person. Hallelujah. Praise God. You're awesome. Now, got two guns on my hips and I got a taser and I got a knife and I got a grenade launcher. It's prayer, folks. This is prayer. Now let me go on to the next one. Tongues and interpretation. Praying in the spirit. 1 Corinthians 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Why would my mind not understand. Why is my mind unfruitful? The unfruitfulness means it doesn't understand what's being said. So what Paul is saying, it's because it is the spirit that's speaking. So it's a spiritual language. You can go through 1 Corinthians 14 and see that it is a language that your mind doesn't understand. It's vocally coming out of you, but it's not being processed through your intellect. It's being processed through your spirit. And though it is words of utterance, it is sound waves, it's words, it might sound gibberish to you, but it has the unction of God's very power to it. Words are simply syllables and, and symbols of meaning. And so the Holy Spirit puts meaning to those words of tongues. It can be a known language, it doesn't have to be a known language. He says, I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind's unfruitful. So what should I do? Well, he answers that. I will pray with my spirit, and I will pray with my mind also. I'll sing with the spirit, and I'll sing with my mind also. So this is a legitimate form of prayer. 
I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray with my mind. I'm going to pray with my mind to pray everything I know how to pray, to consider, and to think of. And at that point, usually about 30 seconds, I need to go into the Spirit because I'm quite limited in what God needs to get done and what He wants to get done. And so God has given every believer the ability to pray in the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Who has the Holy Spirit? Every believer. He's already making intercession within us, Romans 8, 29 says. He's making intercession within us. And so this prayer language is giving voice to the intercession that's already there. And so I have two forms of prayer. One that flows through my intellect and one that flows through my spirit. And I give voice to it. One edifies me and then the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation is to edify the assembly or the congregation. And so there's two different roles for tongues. One is a personal prayer language and one is to the equality of prophecy. It's used as a gift. Not everybody has this gift to speak in tongues and to interpret so that the whole body is edified. So that is a process. Paul says, I really want all of you to speak in tongues. And so I, he's saying, and 1 Corinthians 14 is a description of how to use this prayer as personal prayer language or for the assembly, the gift used for the assembly. And he differentiates through that entire chapter. And he says, look it, I pray in tongues more than all of you guys. I really want you all to pray in tongues. But I really want you all to prophesy. So some people say, okay, I'll prophesy, but skip the tongues. Well, this is a free offer, everybody. He wants you all to prophesy. He also wants you to speak in tongues. Go for it. Take what you can get. Amen? It's all there. We can all speak in tongues. So, but what this introduces is the last portion that I want to share with you about prayer. Are, are you bored yet? Okay, good. I was waiting for a no. What this introduces then is the concept about prayer is that there is prayer for the corporate assembly and there is prayer for the individual. When I say corporate, sometimes people get confused. It's like, what a, we're not a corporation. You know, we're not, we're not a business. No, the word corporate means the assembly, a, a group gathering. So what we saw in 1 Corinthians 14 concerning tongues is that there's a time for tongues with everybody here and then there's a time for tongues personally. And so there is a difference between praying alone and praying with a group of people. We're to do both. We're to do both. Now, praying alone. There's a portion of Scripture that Jesus speaks, and he says this in Matthew 6, 6. When you pray, go into your room. King James says closet. Go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, before that verse, he says... The Pharisees pray out on the public corners and they put powder on their face and they get their reward. You go in a prayer closet and pray by yourself. Oh, see, Jesus doesn't like public prayer. It's not what he's saying. Jesus prayed publicly all the time. What he's saying is the motivation of the Pharisees' heart. They want the attention. Don't pray to get attention. When you're in a prayer meeting and someone's praying for attention, that ain't right. Don't pray for attention. All right? It's the heart of the issue. 
Now, so there's personal prayer. So we can pray these six kinds of prayers personally. I can pray for my requests on my own. I can pray thanks to God. I can pray intercession for others. I can pray a dedication of myself to God. I can pray with authority, and I can pray in the Spirit. That can be done individually. But you can also do all those things corporately. And in the book of Acts, we see it happening over and over. Acts 1.14, they all joined together constantly in prayer with the women and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. They prayed together. Acts 4.31, after they all prayed, the place of meeting was shaken. So there is corporate prayer we see in the book of Acts. So your prayer life should involve individual prayer and group prayer. And we need to develop and continue to grow in both aspects of our prayers. How many of you pray during the day? Okay. There are different ways to do this in diverse ways and manners. We gave you six different illustrations. And also, I mean, you can pray for 10 minutes. You can pray for five minutes. In fact, Paul says pray without ceasing. And to me, it's just constant, you know, as, as you breathe, you pray. I speak, I pray. I listen, I pray. But then there are times of consecrated effort. How many of you ever heard of fasting? Fasting is an accelerant. It's like pouring gas on the fervency and giving a boost of power to your prayer life. And that's what fasting does. And so we need to engage that discipline as well. And then there's public prayer. We're praying. We pray today. It's a prayer of agreement where two or more are gathered. The government of God is speaking. Now, praying together, that's a whole other thing, and we need to get into it. But when you're praying together, you have a different discipline. You have to listen to the other people. You don't become a prayer hog. You don't try to cover everything in your prayer when you've got 10 other people in the room. Share a little bit of prayer. Pray something, and then... Toss the ball to them so they can pray. Engage, engage, engage. Please, and when you're praying and someone prays something and then you pray the exact same thing, like their prayer wasn't good enough. You know how much stuff's underneath everybody's feelings and emotions in a little prayer group? I just prayed that. And then there's always the guy who's always got to have the last word. So the prayer meeting goes... Longer because there's two people in that group that have to have the last word. And they keep. I close with this. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. This is our conclusion. We have all these tools, utensils, weapons, forms of prayer that we're engaging in and we're speaking with this one thing alive, uh, 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 in mind, that we are going to be alert and we're going to continue to pray. Be alert and pray. Be alert and pray. See, this conclusion is prayer's not over till Jesus comes. He's the Amen. We don't stop prayer. So we stay alert. You've been praying on something, be watchful in it and keep praying. Keep praying till you get a release from God. Keep praying. I conclude with this. 
Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God. And if you put yourself in the hands of God, you've got hope. Bottom line is prayer is hope. Prayer is hope. Prayer is hope. Say it with me. Prayer is hope. Prayer is hope. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. We could put it this way. Faith is the substance of things prayed for. So act on what you prayed for. Let's bow our heads.